it on the back of Jesus got a love language on the flip side. Jesus got a love language. So if Jesus got a love language, then he has a way that he wants you to approach him. He has a way by which you can approach him. Jesus got a love language. What is that love language? Because I need to know it. Jesus got a love language. What is that love language sound like? Can I make sense of Jesus' love language? I got his Holy Spirit. You got his Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can make sense of Jesus' love language is with the Holy Spirit. See, he's looking at himself. When I begin to realize I can't do anything for God but reflect him in an image and a likeness, meaning giving him a place, representation, not by your strength, but by his spirit coming forth out of your life, out of your spirit. What does that look like, 18-minute preacher? What are you talking about? I try to live a good life. I don't hurt nobody. See, giving the Lord access when we sitting up thinking all those thoughts, we're not giving the Lord access. When we sitting up plotting all those schemes, we're not giving the Lord access. See, we're not giving him the meat of our life. That's our thought life. Outside of what you think, what do you have to offer the world? Is everything you think about your whole skill-based level comes out of your thought life and the degrees of that thought life. Whatever that means. I'm not trying to put a definition on it. I'm just trying to put an enunciation in it. Like what is your thought life? What is the dialect of your thought life? What does your thought, the total sum, the sum total of your thought life, what does it equal? <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on now. It's time to wait a thought life. This is the time of the world that we're in where all thoughts are being weighed on a scale, on a spiritual scale. I can't put my thumb on the scale. I can't take my foot off the scale. But everyone's thoughts is being weighed by the angels, by the spirit of the living God, by the Holy Spirit is weighing the thoughts of everyone. Are you just going to continue to refuse to reject the Lord? He's weighing thoughts. See, 
He's looking at the track records of our thoughts. He's looking at how you thought 20 years ago. He's looking at how you thought 30 years ago. He's looking at, looking at how you thought as a kid. And he's trying to see a trend towards righteousness at some point. Is it even ever cross, has it even ever crossed your mind to consider the living God? Have you even ever thought it was something to be considered to the point of making a step towards him? I remember when I was growing up, I'd always heard about Jesus. I always had a wonderful kind of reaction to his name. He was something that was good. That's all I knew. I had no confession in place, had no understanding. I just know that for some reason it made sense to me that he was the son of God. I didn't question it. I didn't need to question it. Not that that makes it any different than those that question and those that don't. I didn't have a confession. I didn't say, Lord, come into my life. I didn't say, Lord, God, be my God. But I believed that he was the son of God. Someone say, well, someone told you that. So you believed it. Sometimes faith is as simple as that. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This man is Emmanuel. He died for your sins. He was put in the grave. He rose from the grave in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? It sounds like a wonderful fairy tale that you can be born again, born of another life, born of another substance. Who wrote this story? Who who put this plot together in the name of Jesus since the history of mankind where people have been born, people have died in an endless cycle of life? Who put this in the plot? Was somebody going to die once? Who put this in the plot? Because way back when one man died and we all died because we came of his blood. Who put this in the plot that now this man who going to die once can undo what a man did in the first place in the name of Jesus who put this in this plot who's writing this story it must be a master hand because this is a classic this is beyond a classic I don't know if anything can get better than a classic it's a story of stories the greatest story ever told I heard it said one time, I think I saw a picture, it was said, the greatest story ever told. That a God that created other gods would even think about redeeming what was stolen from him. Where, where we do that at? What God fairy tale somebody been reading up here? Who steals from the living God? Who steals from the almighty God? Who, who pollutes the idea? Who does that? Who think they can do that? That must be an alternative spirit. Why would you even think you can steal from the living God and get away with it? I'm not talking about 
talking to myself. How can I deny God his place in my life? I must be in line in lesion with the enemy. How can I deny God his glory? I must be in line and in lesion with his enemy. How can I keep refusing God's will for my life? I must be in line with his enemy in some way, shape, or form. Something ain't getting through. Something ain't happening. Something ain't clicking. Something's wrong. Where are all the men? Where are all the men? What happened to the men, the body of Christ? What happened to you? What happened to your manhood? You don't stand up for anything. And when you stand up for something, it's always taken up an unworthy cause. Every time the modern Christian stands up for something, he's taken up an unworthy cause. You stand up for the unworthy cause more than you do for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life when you can't bring your thought life under control of a master. You think everything you want to think. You're not, you're not even, 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 uh, what they call it, you're not even, is that ride around in my mobile studio? You're not even, uh, uh, what the word I want to say You don't even know when you ain't talking right no more. You know there's a lot of negatives that are double. But sometimes, you know what the the, the uh, 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 reprobate mind is? Well, you no longer know what right or wrong is. This is just a country time. It's a country, this is a country log talk right here. You know, sitting down, people at my feet. I'm sitting on a rock. It's division. Sitting on this rock. <coughs> Let me clear my throat. I'm sitting on this rock. Reasonable size rock. Not too high, not too low. And I'm sitting on this rock. My legs are folded underneath me. And I'm looking around and I'm encircled by children. A row of children are circled around me. Children of all races, all nationalities, all creeds, all colors, dressed differently. A little Japanese boy, a little Chinese boy, little African boy sitting all around the man sitting on a rock asking him questions about the Lord tell us a story about the Lord about the Lord tell us another one of those story interesting stories about the Lord about the Lord Do you want to know about the Lord? I can tell you some stories about the living God. I can tell you some stories about the living God. 
how he saw a little boy that was being brutalized by the world. <laughs> he saw a little girl that was being brutalized by the world. I can, I can tell you about the Lord. He was passing by. He decided to pause. He saw me in my blood. He saw me in my blood in the filthy garments I was born in. He saw me and he paused and he stopped. He saw you and he paused and he stopped in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he just thought of you in that special sort of way. <laughs> You know, you can be somewhere and you just think about somebody and it put a smile on your face. Well, he saw you in the name of Jesus. He saw me and he thought about us. He thought about us and something went out from his heart. Love went out from his heart. Mercy went out from his heart because, you know, the human race left him. The human race didn't need God. The human race had had it all figured out in their imagination. But for some reason, God was merciful to his image and his likeness because that's his character. That's the type of God he is. He's the God of mercy. He's the God of peace. He's the God of grace. You got to understand all these other gods, these lesser gods, they're about the God of war. They're about the God of famine. They're about the God of pestilence. They're about the God of disease. They bring about these diseases and these situations because they're in competition with each other. The world don't realize that the gods that they have adopted are in competition with each other and it's not for your well-being. It's to see who can slaughter the most people. You got to understand where you are. You are in an atmosphere where the gods of this world are in a competition to see where they can slaughter the most human beings because they believe that if they slaughter enough human beings, it will cover their sins because somewhere they that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, but the delusion is in place. You see, they don't have a flesh and blood relationship. So the blood can't cover a rebellious God. The blood can't save you, a rebellious God. Because you didn't come, you wasn't born out of the love and will out of the light of Jesus Christ that lights every human being that comes in the world. You wasn't birthed from that, the breath of God that breathed into the nostrils of a man and he became a living soul. You didn't come from that, so blood can't cleanse your sins, but you delusional and believe that it will. So don't make any mistake. The gods of this world are in competition for the blood of humanity. Eighteen minute preach at fifteen minutes. I got three minutes to go. Where do I go from here? Have I backed myself into a corner? Where can I go from here? You know, because I'm, I'm an artist in the spirit in the name of Jesus. See, God got his Rembrandts too. See, God has his Teslas too. See, God has his Einsteins too. See. He has his. He don't always share them with the world. It's precious to him, precious to God. So we walking up, 
you're walking up to something. When you walk up to something, you're walking up to the living God. That for some reason I will never know until I see him face to face, he wants to correct the stolen situation. He wants to bring back home the prized possession. He don't like taking a loss. God don't take a L. God has never lost a battle. God has never lost a challenge. Some of you don't realize that there's a challenge on your life. You don't realize that God's enemy went before him and told God that you would crumble. You don't realize that you have been in many ways the subject of his enemy trying to tell God what he can't do in your life. You don't realize that we, for the most part, many of us particularly are in a situation where we are fighting for the reputation of God and you don't even know it. And it's sometimes based upon your choices in the name of Jesus. But he knows how to bring the victory home, see. He knows how to end the game, see. He knows how to even the score, see. He says, I will avenge all. Now what he says, and you know, sometimes I have to, that scripture pops out in my mind because sometimes I am overwhelmed by the brutality that I sense in my spirit. That's happening at any given time, the horror. If you allow your spirit to open up, you will get an understanding in that impression of the horror that humanity is, is inflicting upon itself because of the influence of the gods in competition for human blood and human sacrifice and human pain and human suffering. They trying to squash, trying to crush the image of the living God because there's life in that image. There's life in that image. There's life in that image that the spirit world has no idea what that is like to breathe air, to breathe life, the breathe of life, of air. They long to understand that thing that God has done. What has God has done? What has God done? No one other God, no other God we have had, no other God before ever thought about creating a man and a woman. What is this thing? See, you're a mystery to the spirit world. Why is the spirit world so, uh, so interested in you and me? It's because of him, because of the breath that's in you, because of the love of Christ.